0: Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode I speak to comic book legend Pat Mills about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene. An award winning magazine, Comic Scene's 2021 annual, is now available for pre order in hardback, paperback, and digital formats at slash ComicScene. Featuring new side stories from the likes of Captain Cosmic by Andy Clift, Dick Turpin by Steve Tanner, Geek Girl by Sam Johnson, and Project Hoax by myself and Dan Butcher, this is an ideal Christmas gift for all you comic collectors out there. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello Pat Mills, how's it going?
1: It's going very well.
0: Fantastic. It's an absolute honour to have you here, Pat. Um, And uh, usually I ask my guests what you do in the world of comics, but... Um, They're going to be exceedingly low numbers of people <laughs> that don't know who Pat Mills is, um, the the comic book legend. But for anybody that's been living under a rock for the past few decades, um, what do you do in the world of comics, Pat? Uh,
1: well, um, I um, uh, created uh, 2000 AD and developed Judge Dredd. Um, created action comic and co-created battle and uh, co-created uh, Misty comic for girls so um and uh, my latest project is uh, Space Warp comic which is out the end of this month
0: fantastic where where can people find that
1: um Well, they can um, get it from either uh, uh, getmycomics.com. That's the distributor. Um, And uh, they supply uh, various comic shops throughout the UK. So that's one way. And again, from about the end of this uh, week, it's available um, from amazon.co or if you're somewhere else, uh, amazon.com and the various other Amazons. And that's the paper edition, which uh fans have been waiting for uh very patiently uh from uh, we did the digital edition um in in the summer, and uh now the paper edition is out, which I think for british readers particularly um, they really like a physical copy
0: oh absolutely i i can't um can't say enough like how much more it feels you're, like you're connected to a story when you actually have it physically in your hands
1: sure
0: yeah absolutely um and of course um you uh you uh collaborated with uh ian ashcroft who's who's been on the show himself um and uh yeah it's fantastic to see kind of the the connections kind of from from small press getting up to the big names such as yourself
1: well, one of the things when when I started two thousand AD, we we largely used uh, new artists, and uh, I see Space Warp as a continuation of that process. So once again, we're we're using uh, new artists uh, or new to uh, mainstream comics, largely. Uh, but I'm quite sure in years to come they will have uh, the same. Uh, reputation and uh, following that uh, the 2008 artists had, like you know, Mike McMahon, Dave Gibbons, and so forth.
0: Fantastic. And, and if you don't mind me asking, how did you actually come across Ian in the first place?
1: Um, well, I, I put out a request uh, on uh, uh, on the internet for artists for um, Space War because uh my, my premise basically is that there's an awful lot of talent uh, out there and i wanted to uh really bring that through so we had lots of artists submitting uh work and um uh ian was one of them and uh i you know i I'd, I'd seen his work previously and uh i i was delighted he was interested um and And I think I should explain that one of the reasons why I was looking for new artists is because um it, it's possible uh that some artists at least um get tired you know in other words they're they're, they're mm-hmm. knocking it out because they're, they're, there's a very negative system in the u k where uh the writer and artist sell all rights, and that means right that you you have to produce work very quickly in order for it to be financially viable. And after a while, that shorthand way of doing things uh, leaves leaves you kind of creatively unsatisfied. So um, on Spacewalk, where um, the uh, it's creator-owned, so it's very different to 2000 ED, um, I wanted to get that, fresh energy which largely comes from owning your own work now I mean if you look at say 2000 AD you might look at individual artists and writers at at different phases in their career and say wow that's amazing but over a period of time you'll see that some of them at least get tired and the majority move on to somewhere else and so um this was really about um, capturing that energy that comic artists have uh, at the beginning of their careers, if you like, and uh, and hopefully maintaining it because they co-own uh, their character with me. So it's a very different situation. It's, uh, it's not that unique. It just seems unique in Britain because we are mm. uh, living in the, almost the 19th century uh, where rights are concerned, rather (laughs) mind the 21st century. Uh, But in France, for example, you have this huge industry, and the reason it's so big is because it's creator-owned and it makes this huge difference. And if you're not overly uh, familiar with how things work in comics, you might assume from... The way that uh, American comics are, you know, there's a lot of tub thumping for them. Uh, So you might assume that they're really big. Actually, that's not true. Number one in the world, of course, is manga, Japan. Mm -hmm. Number two is France. The United States, for all its, uh, um, you know, revving up how these wretched superheroes is actually number three. So my role model, really, on Space Warp, and indeed all my career, uh, has been France, uh, because it's, uh, um, well, 2000 AD was based on French comics. Um, That's something that doesn't always sit comfortably with fans who would like to think it's all got something to do with America, because we are America's poodle in so many different ways, Um, but um, certainly not where I'm concerned.
0: That's that's really interesting, and I'd uh, never never given it that much thought. i always knew that manga was uh, was the biggest, but I never knew that France was uh, was the second. My my wife will be very happy to hear that she's French, so um, uh, that's, that's good to see. Yeah, <laughs> good to uh, hear.
1: it's a huge subject, and 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 as you'll know, it, when you've been to France, that uh, you know there's wonderful bon dessinée. Uh, that's the phrase that they're uh, used to describe French graphic novels, these wonderful mm-hmm. dessiné shops um, in um, in most major cities. And whereas uh, I think it's well known that American comics are faltering despite all the mm-hmm. superhero films, the actual yes. sales of uh, superhero comics uh, are not very good because, um, well, it probably falls outside the, the the show, but they they don't have uh the edge that perhaps they once did have.
0: Definitely. Um so it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting future, particularly uh with the with the pandemic that's going on at the moment. Um <laughs> yeah. uh kind of disrupting distribution, um, and things like that. So um it's gonna gonna be an interesting few years ahead of us, I think.
1: I I, I fear so. Uh Although, um, uh, from, from our point of view, we found uh, that, um, um, we, you know, digital comics, uh, sales have actually gone up uh, during the pandemic mm. because I, I guess people, you know, they're stuck at home and they, they, they need something to read and they need mm-hmm. something to read fast. So uh, on occasion uh you know we found um for instance i do a series uh called requiem vampire night uh which is available only on digital in english and uh sales shot up during the um you know during the lockdown hmm.
0: that's very interesting yeah i guess it's just a it's a case of adapting and evolving yeah. um with the with the situation at hand so um yeah i think we we've, we've got a lot of learning to do Definitely. But it sounds like you're ahead of the game, as always, Pat. <laughs>
1: um, well, I, I I think I've been so frustrated that the, the comic industry has become uh, largely a nostalgia uh, industry, which came right. for uh, uh, readers and, of course, editors and writers like myself, who are not getting any younger. And therefore, um, we've lost. Uh, I think we started losing. Um our audience uh in the nineties, so younger readers, as you doubtless know um unless they're you know their mums or dads are into comics um they they 've pretty much walked away from them because there is nothing uh that they can necessarily relate to, and that applies um not just in the u k but also in the in in the u s and um that's something I hope to reverse, because Spacewalk Warp is uh, a comic for all ages, and that's very important to me.
0: Absolutely. Um, it's all about the next generation, and uh, Space Warp is a, is a great place to start, certainly. Um, now, all of that aside, unfortunately, I've got some bad news for you, Pat, um, oh. and that is that there's an asteroid heading for Earth. Um <laughs> And unfortunately, it's hitting slap-bam in the middle of the UK. <laughs> um, and uh, my my first question for you is, what is your action plan for survival in an asteroid impact apocalypse?
1: Oh, my God. Well, I mean, having written uh, a series for 2000 AD um, called Flesh, which is where an asteroid uh, hits the Earth, and what's well, the one we all know about, uh, the one mm. that caused the... Uh, extinction of the dinosaurs um uh so (laughs) the feeling is uh you know i mean if 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 an asteroid caused that much chaos uh 65 uh, million years ago uh, i don't think there's much hope for us but okay maybe it's a small asteroid maybe it's smaller than the the chunk of rock that uh, uh, that uh, hit uh, was it somewhere the Gulf of Mexico, I think, and mm. this uh global catastrophe. So maybe this is a little bit smaller. Let's hope. And uh, in which case, um, you know, maybe some of us will survive. Although <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think it's pretty uh, pretty catastrophic. So I suppose my feeling would be. Um, uh, in general terms let's say um, i mean I, I live in a village uh, and uh, it, it's a great sense of community here and there's people who are from all walks of life and I'm sure there are scientists and uh, um, you know survivalists and so on so i I think that the fact that we have a community here might in some way uh save my ass you know Uh, (laughs) i I think i i I don't see myself as a leader here i mean my expertise is on uh writing um dramatic comics in different forms but i don't i don't have uh say the survivalist uh, skills that uh my brother for example has he's a uh a gardener and a world traveler and i'm i'm sure he he will survive the apocalypse much better than than i will um but i think that uh uh that being part of this village i think will be um really really useful i think uh, in other words uh, um there will be natural leaders you know, maybe mad max or whatever uh, <laughs> i won't be one of them i will be one of the followers and and uh i i should <laughs> I should look forward to that, actually, Uh, you know, being told what to do rather than saying, right, everybody, this is this is how we're going to put this comic together or whatever. Uh, So I I shall be a very, uh, a a very small figure in the in the village community.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. It is certainly liberty in uh, in not having leadership sometimes, isn't it? Oh,
1: enormously so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, if you're, you know, having sort of produced a number of, you know, uh, comics and so on, you know, there is a certain leadership needed to, you know, shepherd yeah. everyone together and make everything happen. Um, and, and sometimes it's nice to just be told what to do. So I, uh, that, that aspect of the apocalypse, perhaps um, <laughs> the only aspect <laughs> to look forward
0: to. Fantastic. Well, um the leader of your village uh yeah. one evening whilst you're all together in in your uh, tight-knit community um with your walled village um you you, you uh, gather around a campfire um and the the leader of your village uh starts asking everybody questions about what they did before and uh now it's your turn and they ask Pat Mills what do you what did you used to do and obviously comics came up um and he starts off with this first question, and that is what is the first comic you remember enjoying
1: right um well, the first one i mean there there were several, and I'm trying to think uh what was the order of them, but I suppose the fact that it uh stands out so strongly uh it was a, a d c thompson comic uh called uh, red Rory of the eagles and uh um, it's about uh, set during the Jacobite Rebellion, and it's this uh, Scottish rebel um, who is transported into battle, uh, carried by two huge uh, Scottish golden eagles, and uh, so he's a bit like a paratrooper. And I thought that was uh, extremely original, and uh, obviously he knocks hell out of the redcoats and uh, <laughs> and so forth. And uh, thinking about it, um, um, I mean, golden eagles are uh, pretty powerful creatures. It, it's, it's as feasible as, um, as any kind of adventure strip, really. And, uh, um, and it's highly original. Um, you know, you've got the shot value. In other words, he's a kind of um, plausible superhero, if you like, with that very British, or Scottish, in fact, uh, mm. uh, spin to him. So yeah, that was my um and and why did I enjoy it? Well, I guess it created that sense of wonder.
0: Fantastic. And how old were you at this this time?
1: Um oh, I, I suppose I would have been um I, I think I, I think I read it in uh, annuals that uh uh my uh, aunt supplied. So I, I suppose I'd be about seven, something like that
0: fantastic and obviously uh, that that led to uh, a lifelong love of comics uh, but did it did through your childhood did you always write comics or no, or was there you were reading at first and then got into writing
1: um I mean it was only very occasionally that I dipped into comics like uh, uh, red Rory the Eagles um, um most of the time I was um, fascinated by cartoon strips which is a, a close cousin so uh mm. it like um ronald Searle's centrinians um that um that that really captured me from uh, probably eight or nine something like that and i, I and i've always been interested in cartoons and uh, so whereas i think um uh, some of my peers in the comic industry were, might have, uh, you know, um, collected comics from an early age. Um, I think I was sort of collecting uh, cartoons, uh, cartoon books and things like that. So, um, well, various cartoon strips that probably um, your audience won't really be familiar with, like uh, Bill Tidy's The Fosdyke Saga. Um uh, how to be top um by geoffrey willans and ronald sell and so forth
0: fantastic um and so when, when was it that you kind of you decided right i'm going to get into into writing and and publishing and and things like that
1: um oh from a, from a very early age um i i can remember at the age of 9 um, hearing about a girl who'd had her uh, children's book, uh, obviously it was a children's book, uh, mm. published um, at the age of eight, uh, presumably wow. a fairy tale or or something like that, and thinking, my God, time's running out. I'm nine. I better get somewhere. <laughs> and uh, I, I can remember getting uh, uh, my sort of first rejection from BBC Radio for some story I sent them at the age of uh, 10. Uh so yeah it's from a from a very early uh, early age I, I realized uh this was what I wanted to do uh, probably because um um I I spent a lot of time reading and uh so you know if you're in love with fiction um, pretty soon, you, you decide, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to write some of this myself.
0: Absolutely, and what what amazes me there, Pat, is that you know it, it's one thing to kind of have an, an aspiration to uh, to want to to write, having read fiction yourself, but then to have the ambition to think, I'm going to send in a script to BBC. <laughs> i mean at at the age of 10 that is incredible i mean it's it's clearly in your bones
1: yeah i i think i i was um i I was working at it fairly hard from 10 onwards uh uh i kind of um uh sidetracked into poetry from about the age of um about 11 i think and um you know, I won, I don't know, uh, a couple of poetry competitions and things that, uh, um, that that told me I was on the right track, really. In other words, that, uh, you know, I, I, it wasn't just, um, you know, a, a false ambition that I, I could actually make things happen. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was sort of really writing a great deal um throughout uh, secondary school uh and when uh, when I left school and then I started uh, uh as a trainee magazine journalist with uh, DC Thompson's in Dundee when I was uh, about 20 um so yeah it was it was always on my mind it was always the direction I wanted to go and um, I think the particular path I chose, um, you know, w- was right for me—not not, not mm. right for everybody, but you know, it was really um, uh, an interest in popular culture, which of course includes comics.
0: Absolutely, that's fantastic, and obviously it led to uh, your illustrious career thereafter. Um, so um, it's it's just inspiring to hear stories like that, and hopefully that that will help inspire. Uh, a younger person listening to this they'll they'll give it a go in terms of uh submitting to the bbc or or 2000 ad or something like that and yeah. hopefully get their first gig I,
1: I think so i think um in terms of a couple of uh brief tips uh the first one would be to think uh to really reflect on why do you want to write uh and that's uh, an easy question for me to throw at uh, an audience, but not necessarily an easy one for them to answer because mm-hmm. the standard answer will, might be, well, I want to make a lot of money or I want to be the next Alan Moore or, 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 or whatever. <laughs> it. That isn't the answer I'm looking for. It's the, what in, what is it inside you that is driving you uh, to write or to draw for that matter? Um, and, Then the second tip I would make uh, from a writing point of view in particular is uh, get yourself a Bible, uh, a writer's Bible, uh, to keep you on the tram lines. Do not assume you don't need one for comics. The answer is yes, you do. And the one I recommend, but there are plenty of others, is uh, Robert McKee's story. And that uh, lays out, if you like, the three R's of creative writing. Um, and, uh, you know, if you find that one a bit dry, a bit statistical, uh, and his style is a bit finger wagging, well, you know, there are other gurus that you can go for. Mm. You need a guru. Uh, yeah. and I suppose the reason I stress that is you would imagine, um, uh, it's a, it's a diversion, so I'll keep it brief, but you would imagine normally people go, Ah, well, I became a writer because I had this great English teacher, blah, blah, blah. And he really encouraged me. In other words, you know, English teacher turn, turns out to be the guru, the mentor. Um, in my case, it was the complete opposite. I won't go into why because it's it's too, too long to go into. Um, so I think that's why I really recommend Robert McKee. Because, OK, if your English teacher uh, doesn't really cut it for whatever reason, Go out and find your own guru, uh, and someone like Robert McKee um, is, is an excellent mentor.
0: Fantastic advice, and <clears throat> something I wish I had about five years ago when I when I started uh, writing my own comics. But uh, you know, you live and learn. <laughs> and, uh... it's always
1: the way, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, now, uh, we're going to return back to our campfire, um, and the, the, the leader of your village asks his next question, and that is, what is the funniest comic that you've read?
1: Um, I think it would have to be uh, Barry McKenzie by uh, Barry Humphreys, uh, better known for uh, Dame Edna Everidge. Uh, and uh, is it... Um, uh, Patterson, the uh, Australian uh, Minister of Culture. Uh, mm-hmm. But before uh, Dame Edna, I think, um, uh, Barry Humphreys did this uh, cartoon strip called Barry McKenzie, which was a really foul story of a, uh, uh, an Australian coming to London and uh, saying some... Uh, the, the kind of... Um, comedy that uh, you know how we might admire um, Glasgow uh, very broad humor well Australian humor is even broader I mean I think I could mention fairly safe things like uh, uh, Technicolor Yawn which I think has now become uh, uh, part of the British language as well as the Australian language you know um, and the dialogue was full of these uh, terms like techni- technicolor yawn, and I, I thought it was hilarious. And uh, it was obviously very successful because I think in the 70s there were two uh, uh, Barry McKenzie uh, films, which weren't bad.
0: Yeah, not, not too bad at all. Um, but that's, uh, that's great. And I never knew that, um, that the, he'd, uh, he, he'd written those.
1: Yeah, it's kind of it's got a little bit lost in time now, but uh, they they yeah. were really excellent.
0: That's awesome. Uh, now, uh, changing gears back at the campfire, uh, the next question that crops up is: What's the saddest comic that you've read?
1: Um, sad, the saddest. Um, well, I think uh, if you uh, the, again back in the seventies. There was a publisher called Last Gasp Comics, and they uh, published quite remarkably uh, a comic uh, called Silkwood, which um, got made into a movie. Uh, I think it starred Meryl Streep, uh, right. which exposed uh, um, you know dubious dealings in um, at a nuclear power station in the United States. And I think her name was Karen Silkwood. Anyway, uh, what isn't so well known is that uh, I, I assume that the film was inspired by this uh, uh, comic strip, which was pretty grim because it's, it's dealing mm-hmm. with, uh, um, you know, the effects of radiation and, and, and so forth. It's a long while since I uh, read it. But so it's sad in that respect. But it's also very positive because uh, it shows that comics can uh, expose evil. Um, You know, it's a classic story where there are lots of cover-ups over, um, you know, uh, nuclear um, problems at a power station. Um, Mm. So it's sad, but it's positive at the same time.
0: Yeah, it's great to have that emotional roller coaster uh, where it's not just sad 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 getting deeper 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 but at least it brings you out of it. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, something 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 good has come out the other end of it. Um I mean if it's just it's just a sort of descent into darkness um that's more depressing rather than sad and I think there is a difference.
0: Absolutely well said. Uh, fantastic so um we're going to change gears once again and and the next question that crops up is what's the scariest comic that you've read
1: um well i'm thinking uh i can't think of one in particular but i'm try- the you you might be able to help me out here um what's the name of that uh artist who uh had this had a similar style to david lloyd but predates him uh by um at least a couple of decades uh, very very stark black and white and I, yeah,
0: yeah perhaps junji ito who 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 is it uh, junji ito
1: no um I, he's okay, a his name has completely escaped me and uh, uh but he had a very sort of noir style uh ah, which okay. more influenced david lloyd mm-hmm. and um I, th- I think that may that looked very, very scary uh, to me. It was someone of the same generation as uh, uh, artists like uh, Mike Kaluta. Um, I think this guy was um, – uh, I- I'll have to look him up, but uh, offhand yeah. his name has just completely gone out of my mind. But um, he did very um, – there were all these stories, I think, in Warren Comics – um weird and eerie and uh vampirella and i think he worked for them for them and uh um did a fantastic job which of course bears out that american comics before they became dominated by superheroes um were really first class
0: oh absolutely um and uh sorry i was just trying to get some um get some influences uh from david lloyd's on google there quickly but i can't quite find them i was just trying to find that name for you um but uh yeah yeah um i think the f- the future of comics has got to be some sort of rebalance hasn't it um because i guess the, the as you were saying before the big hope was that for, for them at least, uh, the, the the movie franchises would, would push people back into superhero comics and things like that. But that's obviously not the case. Um, and, uh, they they they've got to rethink.
1: Yeah, it's it's really um, it's really worked uh, um, the other way. I'm afraid. Uh, yeah. I mean, you would, you would imagine that they would um, sell in vast vast numbers, but uh, uh, no. Uh I'm just looking up horror comics myself here and I and I think it was probably something like uh um Tales from the Crypt or uh okay. uh one one of those uh um uh kind of books. But uh um yeah, fantastic uh fantastic work. Yeah.
0: Superb. Uh, now we come on to one of my favorite questions. Um and that is what is your favorite cover?
1: Um, I think it's one that I share with uh John Wagner. We both liked uh a cover by Brendan McCarthy of Judge Dredd. Now it was the first time I think that uh Judge Dredd had uh, been painted. And uh Brendan had had this great angle on it, and, and we saw a side of Dread. That hitherto had not really come through, and uh, so when we looked at this, I mean, we we were just uh, we were just knocked out by it. We just thought this is this is yeah. how we want um, 2000 AD and Judge Dredd and all the other characters. This is how we we would like it to go forward. So um, I, I I should have made a note of the um, prog number, but. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's one both uh, John and I uh, really rate. Uh, probably, probably somewhere around about uh, nineteen seventy eight, nineteen seventy nine, some something of that sort.
0: Great. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just so good when when you come across a cover. And you just connect with it, and particularly, kind of, from, from your perspective as the creators of Dread and you know, knowing him inside out and things, and then seeing it on the page that somebody else has drawn, it just connects.
1: Yeah, we, we were thrilled by it. And I've remembered that artist now, uh, the one who I, I think uh, ah. produced this, Starenko, Staranko, there you go.
0: Does that ring a bell for you? It does, you know, that name does ring a bell. He's a Um,
1: master of black and white artwork. Uh, uh, Really, really uh, inspired.
0: Fantastic. Uh, Now, um, moving on uh, from our favourite cover, and that is, uh, what is the most meaningful comic to you?
1: Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, I suppose probably... um, there there are a number of third world comics um which don't really f- uh, feature uh in the UK or the u s but they actually address political issues now that may sound um, um a, a bit dull and i i suppose insofar as they don't have um, uh, strong plots or anything uh that may be true but I found one that that I was really moved by, and therefore it's very meaningful to me. Um, I think it was produced in um, I think in Thailand, and it was about um, a family living on uh, a palm oil estate, and they work for the plantation, and they have to pay for their accommodation from their wages. They have to pay for their food. Uh, and the 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 uh get, gives them money in advance and then charges them interest on it and so they they they're basically like indentured slaves and mm. uh, the story ends where um i think the mother uh is bitten by um a poisonous snake and dies now the thing is palm oil as a product is something that uh You know, is used in, uh, you know, in in super, you know, soaps. Lots of foods, isn't it? Like
0: peanut butter as well, and things, and
1: yeah, it's probably got a whole range of uses. But uh, I mean, we're 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 familiar with uh, slave labor on things like uh, uh, trainers and uh, Mm -hmm. perhaps on computer uh, components. But this was, uh, I I remember I I was working on uh, Crisis at the time, Third World War, and and somebody said, oh, you should see these Third World comics. And I found them really uh, moving and meaningful. And, of course, we're never going to see them really in the UK in any significant uh, way because of distribution issues and and also... um, our appetites but I thought the story was uh really well told the artwork was quite basic uh but it worked for me uh, and I I found it uh, um you know re- really emotional yeah absolutely
0: fantastic well I'll try and uh, try and uh, dig that out and find find out what it was um but uh what what, what a great treasure to find <laughs> where, where, where did you find yeah. that do you, do you remember where you got it
1: I'm trying to remember um, um, the um, – I'm trying to remember what they uh, – I, I, I think it must have been some kind of third-world, um, pro-third-world organisation that had gotten hold of these comics. And because they saw mm-hmm. what I was doing on uh, um, on Third World War, uh, they thought I would find it of interest. Um, the the – the kind of organization that would probably know about it I think they're still going is uh, new internationalist now they used to be I think uh, a newsstand uh, publication they probably aren't anymore but uh, they're the kind of people that um, if I was trying to track them down you know they, they would probably have a few leads on it because we, we kind of um, we forget that uh, along you know that there's all these global comics which are saying something very different. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see more of them um, um, in the UK.
0: Definitely. Um, and, and speaking of that, uh, the next question that crops up around the campfire is, what's the most underrated comic that you've read?
1: Ah, the most underrated. Um, I think... Uh, I'd probably put it as a kind of collective term. Um, there were a lot of um, DC Thompson, uh, uh comics uh, of yesteryear, mm-hmm. and um, I found um, when I was um, I, I was doing a talk at um, the the fortieth anniversary of two thousand AD, and I found myself for some reason getting onto the subject and probably the audience are thinking, why is he going on about uh, Hotspur and Hornet of yesteryear? <laughs> those comics, I mean, just like any comic, you, you, you know, it's no good saying, well, you know, I've looked at Hotspur or Hornet and it all looks boring and rubbish. You can say that about uh, any Marvel comic, DC comic, 2000 AD, or any of them. You know, they comics all go through bad patches. Um mm-hmm. These are some great stuff. And um, for me, um, and and I think this is just purely an example of writer's craft. When I say it's underrated, I I wouldn't expect anybody else to rate it other than myself. Mm. Uh, It was the most obscure story in uh, Hotspur, I think, called Big Brutus. And it's it's the most – it it was so well done and so well drawn (laughs) – that despite its obscure nature, which I'll go on to describe, uh, it worked for me. So um, it's about um, a Suffolk punch horse, this huge, very powerful horse. And uh, uh, the protagonist um, uh, has this horse and he's um, a veteran of the Boer War. So it's around 1904, 1905. And it goes from village to village. Uh carrying out uh, um, farming tasks with uh, with, the, with the aid of this horse. And obviously there's dramas and things that happen and so on. So it's, you know, you know if one was going in for an elevator pitch here, you say, this story is as flat as a pancake. But when <laughs> something is well done, you know, then, for, for, I mean, I was sort of thinking, you know, the, these stories aren't rubbish, you know, they're, they're well thought through. But because the subject matter is so low key, um, you know, of course, is never going to be rated alongside Judge Dredd or Batman or Charlie's War or or, or Space War, etc. So for me, I, I like the obscurity uh, uh, of the story. Um, I, I think that's uh, that really attracted me.
0: That's fantastic, and I love that that reasoning, the obscurity of it, and um, it's it, it's often the case that <clears throat> you can find um, a nice bit of solace in in a story like that, really, um, because as you say, it's kind of like a low key premise, but yeah. the story's been written really well.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you if you consider that uh, in, in television drama, perhaps not uh, uh, not not this last decade or so, but certainly go back a little bit, there would be things like H.E. Bates' Country Matters. And so you have these stories just about dramas going on in the village and in the country and so on. And uh, I, I think it makes a refreshing change. You know, everything doesn't have to be about uh, car chases and things.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, that's fantastic. Uh, now, we come on to our final question uh, in regards to comics, and that is, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? Ah, uh,
1: if I could only take one. Hmm. Oh, that's a tricky one. Well, I I suppose it would have to be um, something that, that I'd written myself because I I often... You know, once it's out there, I tend not to look at it again. And I think the apocalypse would give me uh, an opportunity to really uh, sit down and um, savor the story. So the one I'm thinking of is Charlie's War, because if you look at Joe Cahoon's artwork, um, the, the detail on it is absolutely mesmerizing. Uh, you know there's there's so much going on in the background it's classic uh, British comic art and so uh, having all that leisure time ahead of me if that leisure is the right word uh, (laughs) I'm sure they'd have me working in the village you know drawing or whatever because you got a few
0: crops to harvest
1: (laughs) yeah they'd be you know the electricity's gone so we'd have some sort of you know be I don't know, riding bikes or something to generate some power. Um, but when I'm not doing all that, um, certainly uh, just really studying Charlie's War in a way um, that I didn't at the time, and even after it's been albumized in, in uh, you know these last decade or so, uh, to, to really sit there and, and look at it, yeah,
0: and reabsorb it um it'd be it'd be great to kind of go through that entire series and kind of see where you were coming from in in each story
1: yes yeah yeah and and, and yeah reflect on it really because there would have been periods of time and it was it was written over uh quite a few years so um you know my life journey uh would be reflected in those stories so um, I don't know, some stories uh, I might have been more connected with than others, and uh, I may have been in a better space on some than others. So, yeah, it, you don't normally have that kind of luxury of um, really uh, looking back at your work. Um, you know, even even when now I've, I've got this much better rights situation on Spacewalk, um, you've still got to keep looking forward and thinking, What's the next thing? Because, um, you know, it's it's a consumer industry and uh, readers are hungry for more. So it it seems very indulgent to take time out to uh, really savour something. So that's what that's why it has to be Charlie's War.
0: Absolutely. Fantastic choice. Um, And along with Charlie's War, uh, what weapon, tool or useful item would you like to take into the apocalypse with you as well? Uh...
1: Well, I, I'm, you're probably going to say I'm cheating here, but uh, <laughs> I'm assuming that there's dynamos running. You know, we're on those kind of yeah. bikes where you're, so there's uh, some kind of electricity uh, running. Um, I, I think it has to be a Kindle. <laughs> so I've got loads yeah. of, loads of uh, because, you know, you've, I've downloaded quite a lot of, uh, well, I mean, in reality right now, I've, I've got loads of uh, stuff on, on Kindle uh many books and and comics as well that uh uh i haven't really looked at so you've got this um great archive and as long as uh um you know as long as you can keep it powered up um uh, i think a kindle would be very very handy indeed of course if i've been uh, if i knew the uh, asteroid was coming which perhaps i might i might well have downloaded onto uh kindle instructions on uh survival uh how to make certain tools and all the rest <laughs> of it so that that would be my um uh that would be my artifact i think
0: absolutely that's fantastic um and of course the, those batteries last for ages as well so um you wouldn't have to cycle too far on a dynamo <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, to get it charged
1: yeah. it's not like your um you know your iphone or something but you've got to keep yeah having it plugged in uh yeah kindles are uh pretty good for for that
0: absolutely fantastic well pat mills it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure to listen to your comics for the apocalypse thank you so much
1: my pleasure i enjoyed it
0: fantastic and one more time for the listeners uh where can they find you online
1: um well uh go to uh spacewalkcomic.com um and um, you know there you you've got all the details of Space Warp, and uh, or if you you just want to um, uh, purchase a copy, um, you can go to uh, getmycomics.com, um, or you can go to Amazon and uh, get a copy from them. I think it'd be another three or four days before the uh, the Amazon site is up, um, mm-hmm. and then of course you can also. Uh, if you prefer, um, order it from your local bookshop or uh, or local comic bookshop.
0: Of course, perfect. And and people can find you on Twitter, of course, at Pat Mills Comics as well.
1: Yeah, they can indeed.
0: Perfect. And all those links are in the show notes, folks, so go check it all out. Um, Pat, once again, it's been an absolute honour and a pleasure to speak with you today. So thank you so much.
1: I really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Pat. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Pat for being on Comics for the Apocalypse today. It was an absolute honour and pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use. As not only will let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Pat's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene Magazine's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the Comic Club and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.